0: Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel, the new weekly update schedule. So I noticed something uh, this week that is again kind of recurring, a lot of recurring themes in this podcast, but I think that's interesting to kinda, to track in on my own habits and the way my own mind works. And uh, hopefully that's useful for other people that wanna do writerly things. And if not, maybe it's at least useful to me. But the, uh, the idea of, as usual, not forcing myself to write, you know, like sitting down to write every day but not pushing it and trying to just follow my subconscious and letting that lead me to the true cool uniqueness that's inside of me. So, uh, so I've been continuing to write away at a slow, continual, gradual pace. And I did try a little bit to work on two stories a day of like, okay, I worked on the main story in the morning. Like I gotta do that. Gotta do that every day, non-negotiable. Then I could start working on this other story that's been floating around in my head, which is, it's like the story I had a bunch of ideas for about two and a half years ago. I don't have a solid ending, which bothers me a little, because I much prefer to have an ending, even if I don't use it, just to have it. But in the last two and a half years while I've been working on other stuff, I've come up with very little for this particular side story. Like it's hit the point where it's like, okay, that's all I got. What I got is what I got. I got these notes and that's just going to have to do. (laughs) If this is going to be a story, this is what I've got in my brain to work with the floaty part of my brain is not coming up with anything else. I got to sit down and actually write to get anything else out of this. And I was trying to do that because I really would like to, if I could establish a habit where I'm working on two things a day, because I really only write a small amount each day, you know, like half an hour, maybe more, maybe less, I'd say roughly half an hour though. And it's really not a lot of work, but it's because that's the tip of the iceberg. Like, there's so much work going on under the surface in my subconscious that the half an hour of actual writing is distilling a lot of subconscious stuff. And I do think that is kind of a lot of what I've been talking about. I guess that's just a good way to describe it, is people who force their writing, who force themselves to do x number of pages, x number of words, Like, that's all surface level shit. It's just really boring, it's just really uninteresting for them to write, and hence very uninteresting for me to read. And I don't like that. I want all of my writing, even if it takes a long time, I want it to have a a richness, a feeling that maybe it won't resonate with everybody, but people that are like-minded to me, people that are like me, people that like the shit that I like, I just want them to like it. I want them to see, like, yeah, okay, this guy has crossed all the T's, has dotted all the I's, he's put in the the time. He's not just cruising with any of this. He thought it out. And so it might not seem like working on two things a day is a lot, like say I work even if it's like literally 15 minutes on one story and then later in the day 15 minutes on another story. It's shocking how much that still like that's still difficult so like i think people just so overestimate how much writing they can do and how writing is supposed to work because now i've got two stories in my mind it might be just two little tiny it might just be two little tiny iceberg caps poking out but underneath you know in my mind these things that are holding in my mind now instead of just one story it's two two of these great big things that are fighting for space in my head. And I can't let this new story interfere with the old one. You know, I gotta pick the one story and dedicate myself to the one story to make sure that story gets done. Because it's so easy to fall off. It's so easy to lose track. And I even feel that happening a little bit. It's like now my mind is dwelling on this second story and maybe it's just not dwelling enough on the first story. Maybe I'm just running out of, like the ideas aren't coming as easily. And that might be because I'm trying to do too much. Like it seems like I wasn't doing very much in the first place. It seems like it shouldn't be that tough to add to the docket. But it's all that under the hood stuff. The reality of how hard it is to maintain a story in your mind, how hard it is to keep this thing conceptualized in your mind for years and to keep it internally visible to the point that it stays consistent, you know, and it doesn't lose verisimilitude, you know? Like I really do think people way overestimate the amount that they can do in a day, the amount that's really realistically possible to a person. Kind of on all fronts, like even I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast where he was talking about human beings versus gorillas. And just how super pathetic we are. Like the strongest guy you've ever seen in your whole life. The strongest human being that has ever lived is a total pushover compared to the animal kingdom. We're weak, we're easily breakable, we're brittle. We're not strong, we're not (laughs) tough and it's the same way mentally, it's the same way with creative energy, it's the same way all around and I mean it's not coincidence that there is just so much boring stuff and so much stuff that just you can tell nobody really put the time into it and it doesn't have that spark and it doesn't have that feeling because it is really hard to do. And people don't want to do it. They don't want to do the work. They want to do the easy version. So I'm still going to try to stick with the second story thing a little bit, but uh, but yeah, I'm going to see if like, maybe I can train my mind. I don't know if this is even possible, but it's like, hey, hey, mind, can you stay focused? God, This train, is just like rolling back and forth, doing its train business. Fuck off, train. That is a a very annoying symphony fucking tuning up sound. I don't like it. So yeah, I'm gonna see though, if I can get my brain to like hold on to the main story. It's like, hold on buddy, keep holding on to this one. And if you could just think a little bit about the other one, just think 20% about the other one. But I don't know. I don't know if such mental gymnastics are really possible. But I feel like But I feel like that would be I mean, if I was ever to become a superpower writer, which I don't intend to become and I'm not trying to become, but it definitely wouldn't ever be like, oh, I can just sit down and work on one thing for hours and hours every day. That's never going to happen and that shouldn't happen. That's just That's just a way to grind out uh, a flavorless mush known as root marm But if I could work on two or three different stories a day and keep all those in my head and have new ideas for each one each day, that would be something, that would be cool. We'll see though, I don't think that's really realistic. So I'd like to continue to reiterate, if you are a novice writer as I am, despite my lifetime of writing, I mean, I'm still very much early in this process. And I think really you should only Just expect that tiniest bit from yourself. Don't overestimate what you can do. Don't presume that what other people tell you is a reasonable metric is a reasonable metric. It may be that no one is even telling you that, you just feel it, you just think, you just presume because we're from this nine to five culture where people work, you know, like a 40 hour work week is considered the bare minimum. (laughs) And I think people try to apply that type of thing to writing and it's not realistic, and it's not how creative work works. And the goal is not to write flavorless mush, it's just not. But one thing I also noticed, which uh, at first I just attributed this to the trying to write two stories a day thing was I got a little caught up in the main story. And yesterday, I really didn't write anything. I started writing this chapter and I roughed it out a little bit two days ago and then yesterday I, I did write some stuff for that book. I had an idea for a future chapter and I, I roughed that out so I did do about 20 minutes of work just not directly on the point that I met. It's for later on. So I kinda used that as uh, an excuse kinda not to write. Like all day the day was getting later and later in the day and it's like I still haven't really sat down and written and I just kept putting it off and putting it off and finally I was like well I did do that 20 minutes earlier for later in the book I did do something today that's just gonna have to be it because I'm just when it's that much of a fight with the subconscious it's like maybe there's just something I didn't even think of it that way but maybe there is something wrong So then last night I'm just laying in bed and I'm just thinking through kind of the history of this podcast and how things have kind of gone up and down and I'm thinking like, okay, whenever this happened in the past I always have a day or two where I really am just kind of at loggerheads, I'm just kind of stuck and I get almost nothing done and then I have some kind of breakthrough and I'm like, awesome, I'm glad I didn't push on those earlier days and just push through something bland that wasn't feeling right because then i wouldn't have got to here and where i am now is clearly the right place so i was thinking that i'm like is that happening right now is that what this is so i was thinking what if that's what's happening right now what if this whole chapter is wrong what if i just let's just do that as a thought exercise let's just presume this chapter i'm working on is wrong that it felt like the right step But then over the past couple of days, my deeper subconscious has been like, I'm really not sure about this. This does not seem like the right path forward. I'm not excited about this path. Hence the extra feeling of resistance and hence the uh, just grind to a halt of work that has happened. So yeah, let's use a train metaphor since there's a goddamn train right next to me. It's like, so I lifted the train off that track put it on a different track and yeah right away I was like oh yeah this feels better I think it's like I've been saying I was saying quite a bit how I felt like the story was moving more quickly than I expected things were moving along quicker it's like I'm taking the piece and moving it forward a lot more than I thought that I would and how maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a way to keep the pacing up on this story but each time that seems like a little trick almost It's like my mind is like, yeah, cool, move it up. Move it up to this thing. This feels cool, this feels exciting. Let's get to that point that we're not at yet and that we haven't earned yet, but let's go there. And just yet another case of why I think it's better to go slow. Instead of pushing through with that initial impulse and forcing myself to write a chapter that doesn't really fit there, instead over the next two or three days, either stuff continues to bubble up and I continue to work and be excited and happy to be dwelling in that moment, you know, either I feel good about that scene or I start grinding down and I'm like, I don't feel good about this scene. I don't want to write. I'm just pushing back. My subconscious is pushing back way too hard. It is way too tough for me to work on this thing. And in each case, I got to roll it back and take those notes and just put them aside and like, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually, but not yet. Cause it seems like each time that I feel like, oh, this is moving quick. This is moving faster than I expected. It literally is moving faster than it should. It is going at a quicker clip than it should. And the larger environment of my subconscious won't let it be. It just is like, no, this doesn't, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. We've got this big ball in our brain that is this story. It is these characters, it is this situation, it's this whole environment. We've been holding on to this for months now, for half a year now. And we're gonna keep holding on to this for another year, two years, however long it takes. We know this place, we know this feeling, we know what this is supposed to be. And what you're writing right now is not what this is supposed to be. So roll it back, buddy, roll it back. And basically all it was is, just to put it really simply, is like the two main characters got in a fight, and then I wrote a chapter where they didn't see each other at all, and then this chapter they see each other again, and that's, it's just, just, it's just too soon. It's like, nope, they're not ready, they got in a fight, they're not ready to talk. We need another chapter before that happens, that's all. So that's what I'm doing now, I'm writing the new version of this chapter where things are moving slower. All right, I wrote down some little miscellaneous notes over the week that it's like, oh, here's some shit I could talk about. But let me see if any of them strike me as important right now. (laughs) Okay, yeah, this one. (laughs) I guess this is about how you really do need to be kind of full of yourself to do something creative, especially something as big as writing a whole novel. Like if you're not kind of into yourself and believe in yourself in a way that is probably somewhat obnoxious to others, you're just not going to do it. (laughs) And uh, I was thinking this because I was just sitting at a McDonald's. And I was writing a scene about how, so because this girl in this story is one of the last members of her species, and she was kind of pontificating about how, how her old cultural norms don't even really matter anymore. Whatever she wants to make up, she can make up, because everyone else is gone, so what she says goes, you know, if she wants to say, hey, this is what we do now, this is what we're all about, who's gonna say no to that, you know? When there's only a handful of you left, it's very easy to uh, assert cultural control. Even if just you yourself start taking one of your affectations and uh, presenting it as a deep cultural ceremony or something, that's still a huge percentage of your species that does that now. If you can get one other person to buy in, like, you're gold. So I was having her think about um, whatever weird destructive, antisocial thing that she's doing. She could just say it's cultural. Hey, it's just cultural, man. It's what we do. Our cultural belief might literally just be about destruction. If I want to wreck stuff, out with the old, in with the new, and then out with the new and in with the nothing. <laughs> and I was so proud of myself for that little line of like, taking it too far. Fuck the new. How about nothing? That's what I want. I want everything to be destroyed. And I was staring at the window of this McDonald's, listening to some cool song, and just like so deep in that moment, like yeah, out with the new, in with the nothing. That is so cool. And it really kind of struck me in that moment, like man, this is pretentious as fuck. I'm just gazing out the window and I'm feeling all charged up and awesome about this rebel character that I'm writing in a goddamn story. The whole thing is just fanciful. It's just imagination. It's all fake. But that's what you gotta be, man. To fucking write a whole book, to believe in yourself enough to think that you got the goods, that you got the thing that's worth anybody's time. Man you really do have to be a fucking pretentious shit. (laughs) You just do. You just have to be. I don't know, if you're gonna be a writer, but you're also gonna be, oh, I'm just so nice and everyone thinks I'm so cool. I don't know, are are you really gonna write cool shit? I don't know. (laughs) I think you really kind of gotta be the kind of douchebag that will just be like, fuck everybody. Fuck everybody except me. My ideas are cool. My thoughts are cool. And yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant. That doesn't make you a nice seeming person. But to do something as unique and as individual as writing a novel, the whole thing is going away from the tribe, is going away from what everyone else is doing. You're just going off on your own and you're doing your own thing. That's literally what you're doing. And I think you need to embrace that. I think you gotta be that person and you just gotta be all right with it. You just gotta dive into it, man. You just gotta fucking sink in deep. And I think that's it. I think that's all my deep thoughts for this week. This is something interesting about doing it kind of weekly is I add a couple other little notes, but now that, you know, they've been there for a few days, like one of them was just uh, my smartphone. Finally wore out. I finally had to replace this thing. And like, it was a mess, like the uh, little stickers on the keyboard had all fallen off and I just memorized what the keys were and the volume button broke off. And uh, the thing is just a mess. So I got a new phone and that's awesome but uh, since it's still an old phone technically you know it's like a 2011 or 2012 model because I like the phones with the keyboards and uh, the old ones are like 30 bucks but just how tough it was to kind of get that up and going and you can't get the uh, Google Play Store to work necessarily because these old phones it was called the Google Marketplace but in order to update to the Google Play Store, you need a newer browser than the browser that comes with the thing, but if you just download the browsers directly and try to install them on the phone, for whatever reason that doesn't work on my phone, it's a whole to-do. But is that really interesting to go over step by step? I say nay. So I think that covers us for this week. Let's finish with uh, some Linkin Park. Speaking of being a contrarian douchebag. When Lincoln Park first came out, I was like, Psh, nah, if they're popular, I don't like them, I'm not going to listen. And then, uh, quite a while later, a decade later, they put out an album called A Thousand Suns. And A Thousand Suns is really good, so I was like, man, actually, fucking maybe I like Lincoln Park. Maybe they're fucking sweet. So then I became the guy, now that Lincoln Park wasn't cool anymore, now I'm the guy who likes Lincoln Park. Then their final album... One More Light came out, and it was really poppy, and I'm like, fuck this, this album sucks. And then Chester Bennington, the singer, committed suicide, and then I'm like, oh, fuck, let me go back and listen to One More Light again. And then I'm like, oh, actually, this this album is kind of (laughs) good. I was way too hard on it. So, I mean, I've just been a dumb douchebag at every possible fucking step of Linkin Park's career. But again, you know, you just got to accept who you are and what you are sometimes. So uh, there's this one song called Halfway Right on this Linkin Park album that right from the start, I liked this. This was like the one song on, I, I literally listened to it like twice. And then I'm like, fuck this album initially. But I liked this song right away. And this is like... I guess I haven't played a song in a while that uh, I feel like really invokes writerly feelings, but this right away, I was like, this totally feels like a song that would play in a story when characters are on a first date. Like, this would be the perfect song to just be playing on the radio, diegetically or whatever. I guess, again, I'm using a movie metaphor because it's just easier to envision that way. And then, at the moment that the two characters have their first kiss, that's when the song breaks away from just being a tinny song on the background in the radio, from being a tinny song in the background on the radio, to the full fucking soundtrack to just swell up and be the score. The na 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 na. It's so fucking good. It is so fucking good. So let's listen to that. Halfway Right by Linkin Park, and uh, I'll see you next week. I scream at
1: myself when there's nobody else to fight. I don't lose, I don't win. If I'm wrong, then I'm halfway right. Used to get high with the dead and kids, abandoned houses where the shadows live. driving my car I couldn't see then what I see right now the road dissolving like said to do was slow down. I remember, now I remember. All you said to do was slow down, but I was already gone. I screamed at myself when There's no
0: I just uh, recorded some audiobook stuff down on my little secret beach. I decided I better get out of here because the water is rising. It's almost all the way up, but I really don't like walking on the train tracks if I can avoid it. So I'm trying to walk on the little sliver of shoreline that's left. I think I'm past the toughest part now, so I'm like, hey, why not try to record at the same time? There's these parts, there's kind of one right now, where i just kind of got to grab onto branches and swing myself out over the water. (laughs) and It's like, this is gonna, this could go wrong so easy. And I could just dump myself in the ocean, but it's fun. It's like, I think I said, I think I said before, but it's like horizontal mountaineering. But I just wanted to add on, record a little add-on bit of like man this this podcast it's kind of maybe i will do a little more often than once a week because it's really kind of handy just in general so uh this week i was kind of in my own head a lot because uh i was i was thinking about that girl Steffi lee with the trichotillomania that i talked about and she was talking about how trichotillomania it's like a uh It's like a stress relief thing, which seems so weird. Like, why would pulling out your own hair give you stress relief, but for whatever reason it does? Or your weird OCD brain perceives it that way somehow. And I guess like a more extreme example would be like cutters. You know, it's like people who cut themselves. It seems so crazy. It's like, how does that help? But in some weird way, it does. It just makes them feel calmer. So I was thinking about that, of like, okay, because my hair is starting to get a little longer again. And it's weird, I'm like, I wonder at what point will my hair get long enough that I can pull it out again? And am I gonna start again? I mean, I have periods where I don't display symptoms of trichotillomania. But this last time, like I was saying in that episode, I just couldn't stop. It was like four straight months and I'm like, I can't anymore, fuck this. Kind of buzz off my hair and then along a not necessarily a similar line but it connects there's this guy named mark Klepik i like on youtube he does a series called universal man and uh sometimes it's a little weird because he's religious and i am not but uh as i get older you know i can kind of understand that type of thing more there's just something deep down in me that can just never get on board with religion But I'm starting to see more and more how the ritual of it is handy, like just that final step, that final stage of like if you get down on your hands and knees in front of your bed and you ask for something or you think about something or you request the strength to do or to not do something. I mean that is just such a powerful thing that you've done. Regardless of whether it's real or not, or whether you're actually talking to anyone, it's just such a powerful symbol to yourself that I do think that is like super valuable. And I kind of try not to shit on religious people like I did when I was young, because that is like a benefit they have. That is like a bonus power that I find very hard that I find very hard to access because there's that other part of my brain that just rebels and doesn't want to have anything to do with that type of mindset. Because I do find religious belief scary, you know? It's like people can just believe anything. They can just buy into anything and explain it away with religion. That's very frightening. But there are upsides also. But he was talking about his, uh, before his series kind of became more generalized about just uh, learning how to be a man in the world. And like, that is, I think, a really interesting topic because like men just have, we have like it's 10 to 20 times more testosterone on average. And that's just something that, you know, we don't know how to deal with and we don't, no one really teaches us how to regulate these bodies that we have, but they are, weird and there's a lot of potential there but there's a lot that can go wrong and it's an especially combative time with like feminism and humanism and uh, and there's a lot of people giving you know like the the male side of things a very bad name but it's a very interesting topic to me and uh, so this guy Mark Klepik, before his uh, site became more about generalized sort of life philosophy it was more specifically about porn addiction and that's how I originally found him but anyway he was talking about those days when he was first trying to quit porn and that that's kind of what it boiled down to was a similar feeling to like the trichotillomania thing of just like it was stress relief he just felt too much stress day to day too much pressure from the world pushing down on him So when this valve, this release valve of going and uh, hiding in the little world of porn and putting yourself in this porn bubble where nothing can touch you and you're just in this full fantasy world. He just was not prepared to leave that place because he needed that, that perceived defense against the stress of his life. And that's something I've made great strides with in the past few years but it's still always a constant push and pull two steps forward one step back type of thing for me but to have it boiled down that simply of just like is that really what porn is doing is it the same thing as these other stress relieving habits is it just that the day-to-day stress of my life feels too much for me to just? be in it, to just deal with it, to just accept it. And I thought that was interesting because it's like, maybe this is the time to really test it. Instead of just like, oh, I made some progress here, oh, I relapsed there. Let's really examine this because maybe, like, just hearing this guy Mark Klepek say that, he's like, that he couldn't initially quit porn because he needed the defense he needed that relief from the stress he always felt so I was thinking like do I how much stress do I feel like it's so hard to know because we can't know how other people feel or whatever I remember when I was in high school I mean I did have a bad time in high school I did not like it I knew that at the time but I was still surprised when my orthodontist gave me a retainer and I was like grinding through it I was grinding my teeth at night, and he's like, yeah, this is a total stress thing. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Am I stressed? I don't feel like I'm stressed, (laughs) but I was crazy stressed. It was one of the most stressful parts of my whole life. But it's just expected that this is just how life is. This is what everyone else is doing. This is what you're doing. You know, I just contextualized it as like, well, how bad can it be? Everybody else is going to high school every day. But it was bad. It was bad. I was grinding my teeth and destroying my retainers. So I was thinking about that now. It's like, let's really do this as a test. Let's see what happens if I just really try my hardest to just live with whatever level of stress I'm feeling day to day. Whatever level of anxiousness and anxiety I've got. Like, is it really so bad that I have to give myself that like mental way out to just go look at porn all night and fucking just, you know. It's like a massage, but it's like a mega massage. It's like a massage for the brain, but it's not like a healthy thing because it's not like just looking at porn and jerking off and that's the end of it. It's like, I'm going to look at porn all night. (laughs) It's like, it's ridiculous. And so that's been in my mind for like the past three days. Every night I'm laying in bed and I'm just like, ugh this sucks. How am I, am I really this stressed? Is it really this tough for me to just go to sleep and to not fucking fire up the laptop and look at tits? But if it is, I don't want to fight that knowledge. You know, I want to face up to it. If I really am that stressed all the time, then I'm never going to win this battle. And if I really am that stressed, then I need to Not to deny it. I need to, you know, be aware of it and face it and find other ways to cope, other ways to deal with this. And like yesterday, I broke out the uh, meditation again. I haven't done it in a long time. But I was down here on the beach and uh, just sat on a log (laughs) on the beach and listened to rain sounds with my eyes closed for 26 minutes. And it did help. It was like, yeah, that does help. It's hard to do at first, but once you're doing it, it's not so bad and it does help. But what I totally noticed just now is doing this podcast really helps. I mean, like, I've just been so in my own head this week and just like thinking about all this stuff. And it's like that, that two-sided thing of like, I want to improve. I want to be a better, stronger person. But I also don't want to face it because if I do come to this conclusion that it's like, all right, I just have to accept that I'm too stressed out and I can't go day to day without my coping mechanisms, then what? Like, then I've really got to, I got to face that. I got to deal with that. I got to change something about my life. I've got to look into this. And that's a fucking whole thing that it's like, God, I would rather not. (laughs) You know, that's a whole fucking... Hopefully it doesn't come to that type of thing. And I'm just amazed how just that little podcast I recorded before, even just, you know, blabbing about my dumb book and just talking about what a douchebag I am staring out the window at McDonald's, I felt so much better after. Like, there's all this stuff that's just been in my mind and that I'm dwelling on and that I'm worrying about that really just was like, hey, it's just gone. Like... Because just rambling to myself through this recorder, it doesn't even have to be like, oh, I'm so great. It can literally be about how I suck. And that's fine. It's just like, because it's just like, ah, there I am. There's, there's me. <laughs> you know, It's like, whatever vision is in my head, it's like, fuck that. Because here's the real me. Look, there's the voice. It's coming right out of me. There's the things. This is the guy that I like. This is the guy who's working on the book. This is the guy who's not gonna stop till this book's done. This is the guy that I enjoy. The guy who's all wrapped up in my own head and overthinking all my problems. I don't like that guy. That guy is just, he's not productive. He's not gaining ground. He's just worrying for worry's sake. I mean, not entirely, that's unfair. You know, you gotta worry to some degree to make progress in life. But there is a point where it's just like, what are you doing? You're just grinding yourself down. Yeah, I was just surprised how doing this little podcast, I'm like, oh, there's the guy. There's the guy. I like that guy. So, fuck. So maybe I will do these podcasts a little more, even if it really just seems like I don't have that much to say, even if it seems like I'm just reiterating the same shit, even if I'm just talking about the boring minutia of this fucking book that no one would be able to read for years. I think this could be a valuable tool cuz I just yeah, I can't deny the results. I just feel better. I feel much better about myself. I think it's not coincidence that I did 50 straight days where I recorded every day cuz I liked it. It's fun, it feels good. All right, this uh is getting tricky again. I almost fell in the water, so just <laughs> turn off this recorder. Let's play one more Linkin Park song, because uh, just letting the album roll after that last song. The final song on that album, Sharp Edges, is that what it's called? I'm not really sure what this song is called, but it's just a real good little song. A nice little ditty. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Ooh, 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 ooh. So let's listen to that. See you next week or next time I am stumbling about in the mental darkness and I just need to recalibrate myself to myself. All right. Adios.
1: Mama always told me, don't you run. Don't you run, scissors, son. You're going to hurt someone. Mama told me, look before you leave Always think before you speak and watch the friend you keep. Stay along the beaten path, never listened when she said. Sharp edges have consequences. Loved you like a house card Let it fall apart But all the things I couldn't understand Never could have planned And maybe who I am Put your nose in paperbacks Instead of smoking cigarettes These years you're never getting back Have listened when she said, sharp edges have consequences.
0: Flipped and hit my shin really hard, it fucking hurts, man. I really took a chunk out of my leg, it's gross. It's like you can look at the skin and just like there's just a big pit now where there used to be flesh in my shin and it's bleeding everywhere. I don't have a, a proper, band-aid but I do have these little blister band-aids that uh, I don't know I guess I must have just had a bad run with some shoes where I was constantly getting blisters because I've had these things in my wallet forever and I haven't needed them but it'll have to do for now to stop me from gushing blood everywhere. Okay, see you next time Still worth it (laughs) Still worth it to be out in the natural world even if you get banged the fuck up.